I am with Nikki Freeburn today, an amazing woman with an engaging and inspiring vision for helping to awaken and empower people in the direction of nature and natural nutrition. Nikki speaks of medicinal and nutritional cannabis in its raw and tinctured state, both THC and non-THC activated. This is not about getting high or about breaking the law. This is about getting healthy and having access to healing herbs and medicines that are found within our very own natural environment. Nikki has extensive knowledge of the endocannabinoid system and how this complex cell signaling system works within us and in relationship to the cannabinoid compounds found in the cannabis herb. Nikki has worked with healing herbs for more than 10 years and shares real-time stories of how these herbs have helped adults, children and animals in their healing process. Nikki is at my home this morning and we have been working on her online training program and so I am going to skip the courtesy hellos and we are going to jump straight into it. There is so much information out there coming out at the moment about cannabis. Some of it's amazing and fantastic, some of it's maybe not so good. There are just a gazillion opinions. Tell me please a little bit about this misconception that's out there and also the term medical cannabis what does that actually mean they're two really big questions and i'll start with the second one first with the medical cannabis in the work that we do we don't refer to cannabis or the cannabis uses food and nutrition as medical cannabis the very definition of medical or medicinal cannabis is actually a pharmaceutical model therefore it is made in a laboratory it has to serve multiple purposes and has to align to particular guidelines and generally they use isolates but the term itself especially as far as Australia is concerned obviously different countries have different legalities and different parameters so I can only speak about what's happening in this country at this point medical cannabis comes under a prescription system which can only be given to you by a prescribing doctor the formulas must be approved by the TGA, we are Therapeutic Goods Association, or some other authorised organisation or supplier from overseas that is within the guidelines of the Therapeutic Goods Association. So the term medical cannabis or medicinal cannabis is aligned to that model. So mm-hmm. it's a medical model, it's a pharmaceutical mm-hmm. model, and because it is limited it is controlled and it is sustained by that system. It is not aligned to our philosophies. We see cannabis as food and we see it as nutrition. So there is a very big difference. I mean, we do use the term medicine, but the term medicine also goes back thousands of years. It's more of a historical or an ancient medicine rather than our current medical system. So that's the reason we, our organisations, Uh, we don't use the term medical cannabis because it doesn't actually fit in alignment to the work that we really do. That just brings to my attention that this misconception is more widespread than we can even imagine. It's interesting with the misconception aspect of it. When we first started understanding that this plant could be used for healing purposes Mm -hmm. or medicine purposes, which was a novel idea, it was a new idea, you know, back in 2011. For us, it wasn't known. As far as I was concerned, it was, you know, it was a drug, it was a, it was a smoke. I had my own prejudices around the plant mm. just due to, you know, natural unconscious programming of our current world. But the misconception as far as the plant itself and how those prejudices and misconceptions have changed even in an eight-year period to where we are now... Mm. So the medical cannabis aspect that we're talking about right now wasn't actually an issue six, seven years ago because the government hadn't changed any legislation. There was no access to any medical cannabis whatsoever at that point in time. And so what we've realised is time progresses, there are different misconceptions that are being fed to the general public. 
Now, for example, back in 2011, the big, most asked questions was the fear around driving, which is still an issue, but it was around the legalities. Is this actually legal? You know, can I go to jail? You know, what qualifications do you have? You know, and, and as far as cannabis was concerned, you know, in those days, there were no qualifications. It wasn't even discussed at that level, even though, you know, we then started to formalise things in a clinic style back in 2014 and discover it ourselves because there was no one ahead there's no one really ahead of us as far as formalising data and research and, and gathering client information to, to learn and to understand. And that's your clinic, Natural Law Wellness Clinic, that you're referring to? Um, it was originally called Wellness Clinic Newcastle okay. in 2014 um, and it has morphed into, into two different areas. The Bontu Wellness Clinic has maintained that original clinic space yes. and Natural Law Wellness relocated but continued the work and the collaboration continues. So we serve different purposes with the ongoing research and development and, and learning about what happens when we sit with a real human being mm. in a real life situation using real life nutrition and food in the form of cannabis and what happens to them. Mm. So the misconceptions at the moment, probably more so around the actual cannabinoid structure. Mm. So CBD and THC are two cannabinoids out of realistically hundreds, but more than likely we contain that down to about 20 of the most known cannabinoids and their different values and benefits that happen. The issue with a limited understanding of these cannabinoids is years ago the fear around cannabis in general as a plant, as a drug, was the problem. What's happening now in this current day is the THC component, one cannabinoid in the plant, is now being demonised. So it's almost like the whole plant was wrong and it was a drug and it was a problem and it would make do all these, you know, these terrible things to people. Like get you really high and feeling like, really good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a terrible thing to do. Or open up your conscious awareness. I don't know really what, what were you thinking. <laughs> terrible. Terrible. Terrible people. So, you know, for example, we'll get someone who will contact us now and they will say, we only want the CBD with the THC taken out. Yeah. And some people even use the word nasty. We want the nasty THC or the terrible THC. Because I don't follow mainstream media at all, I don't even know where people are getting this information from. So I'm assuming it's, you know, it's social media, it would be news items, it would be, you know, some documentaries. There is so much more to this plant. And again, the misconception about breaking this plant down into what's good about it and what's wrong with it actually takes away what is gifted to us from creation, what is a naturally growing plant that has been with us for thousands and thousands of years, whole plant, not broken into bits and pieces. If you go back historically, 4,000 BC Mesopotamia, which is one of my favourite historical facts to pull up because we have actually got access to some of the medical tablets which contain cannabis as one component in a whole series of formulas. But the cannabis wasn't broken down into CBD and THC and CBG and all those things. They used and revered and understood that the whole plant is essential. And yes, you can bring in other elements, you can bring in more terpenes or salt or other herbs to complement and create a more comprehensive and more far-reaching formula to assist whatever it is that you know someone's trying to heal or to resolve. You know, so it's um, the prejudices or the misconceptions in my experience are actually more widespread now than what they were when we first began eight years ago. You know, also, if you think of going back to ancient wisdom and Hippocrates, and this is so well known, you know, using food as thy medicine, it's almost like we've got it a little bit confused as opposed to labelling a plant, a natural herb, as medicine. We refer to it as what it really is, which is food. And then as a food, it's the body's medicine. Exactly. And that's, again, the, the use of words mm. and the misappropriation of the meanings and definitions of words mm. is really prominent and so medicine's one so in ancient times medicine was healing it was a food mm. hippocrates food is our medicine whereas now medicine has become involved and interlinked you know almost unseparating mm. between the medicine and the pharmaceutical and the medical world which is rigid, which is almost unflexible, especially with the legalities and the control. And again, speaking just from our country here, we are currently watching 
our government trying to contain and even shut down holistic and integrated doctors. You know, our health system is in complete disarray and the alternate, so that what is deemed the alternate or natural therapies are trying to be shut down and controlled. So the word medicine originally was to help, to heal, to resolve, to support, to nourish, to complement. Now that's a whole different definition. And I'll give another example, and the word is terminal. Now that word terminal, for a lot of people, is terrifying because it is being used in a way that is immediate, you're going to die, something's really wrong, and you're in trouble, go home, get your things in order. So some years ago, I was inspired to actually have a look at the root word. Just happened spontaneously because we were getting people coming saying, I'm terminal. I'd ask them what the diagnosis is, and they'd say, I'm terminal. And it was, and they were in fear, terrified. They've just been told they're going to die, and probably a very unpleasant death. They're even told if they don't start medical treatment straight away, that they're going to die. So there's a very strong fear based message that came with this word. When I looked up the root word, the word terminal actually means transition. I was, of course it does. You think of a train terminal, a bus terminal, an airport <laughs> is a terminal. The planes, the buses, the trains, the people that come and go out of terminals don't cease to exist. It's transition. And so it was, I was able to turn that around and I would ask them, what does terminal mean? And they would say, I'm going to die. And I'd say, well, actually, no, the word terminal means transition. And just that one piece of information alone helped them go, oh, really? It's like a break in that, in that transmission of fear. In that, in that energy and frequency of fear. It's like, oh, there's a glitch in the system. And so from that became a beautiful analogy about, okay, well, imagine you're going to, you're going to a bus terminal, right? And you, you get off the bus. And imagine you're the bus driver and, the, and you are the bus. And you arrive at this, this place, this dead, terrible place that's been labelled as, as deadly. But when you arrive, you, the passengers get off the bus. And what do bus drivers do? Well, the bus gets cleaned and then it gets refueled and it off it goes again. So it's a rather than terminal meaning cease to exist, death, you know, warning, warning, it is, right, so let's clean the bus out. We're going to now bring new passengers onto the bus and we're going to continue our route, but we're going to have a different awareness. We're going to go to the next bus stop and we're going to choose which passengers we pick up. And if there's a rowdy, you know, a toxic passenger, well, that person's not allowed into this bus. And we might choose different dietary components we might start to change some of the things that we do on this standard route that we do on a day-to-day basis and as we grow and evolve there's in essence you're going three layers so to speak of regeneration so it's not just an emotional perspective it's also a cellular perspective so the, the cells in the body regenerate and they go through three phases and so you can turn this analogy into something really positive once you've gone on these three routes and you've started to clean the bus out and you're cleaning your passengers and you're really getting a a nice viewpoint as you're driving around and then you rest there's a stopping point where you just stop and rest from that point you then can change your bus route and then you start the regeneration process and then the beautiful thing is because we live in a world where everyone wants a quick fix and that is unconscious, it is programmed and, you know, we're all in some way fought into that trap of just fix it now. What I would, would always laugh is I would say to the client, we'd go through this whole analogy, or I'd draw pictures of buses and circles and then I'd say, well, what happens now after we've regenerated and you've created a new system, a new series and a new way of living, what happens next? And of course, there's that first option, well, that's it. I'm going to be healed and I'm fantastic and I'm great. And it's like, no, you start again. Because this is an ever ongoing, evolving movement. Mm -hmm. We don't just stop. So it's these misconceptions and terminologies that have been used historically with different contexts are now being brought in with a fear base to create that more pain and suffering and immediate response. So people are reacting from fear and making choices from fear rather than stopping, taking a moment and going, I've just been given a diagnosis that isn't good. What do I actually need to do to resolve whatever it is that has caused the problem in the first place? Time. Take time out. So many people going through the medical system are told, if you don't start this treatment now, you're going to die. And there's no breath 
And you're speaking from what you see pretty much on a daily basis. Yes, we do. People coming to you with these so-called terminal... We see a lot of different diagnosis, a lot of different illnesses because this plant has no prejudice, the irony, the plant has no prejudice. The plant covers every spectrum of humanity and the animal kingdom. You know, every living being apart from insects, as we understand it, has an endocannabinoid system. So our animals also benefit greatly from using cannabis as food and and as nutrition. So because the plant has no prejudice and we have a world full of sick people, everybody's sort of looking for this as a method of supporting their body's healing process. There's no limitation to age, gender, ethnicity, where that person comes from, belief systems, language. It cuts across every single barrier that you can possibly have. The philosophy of natural law is not about treating an illness and it's a very distinct and I'm very passionate and very dedicated to people understanding this. That's a medical model, is how to treat an illness. And then these pharmaceuticals are used, obviously surgery and different treatment processes, but they focus on the illness. They focus on a particular element in the body. We look at how can we facilitate this beautiful plant and other natural treatments to help the body's healing mechanism, to help that person take responsibility, to embrace a a new way of living. Because when we're ill, something's obviously gone wrong, whether it be environmental, whether it be emotional, whether it be toxicity, there is something that has caused a disharmonic opening in the body, which then results in a disease or an illness. That takes time to reverse. So we're looking at a long-term, holistic and integrated approach to changing life, essentially. Mm. You know, you can't think that you can take a plant as powerful as as cannabis, because it is, it's a powerful Mm. teacher plant, unbelievably powerful on many, many levels. You know, might digress slightly, but I think it's very irresponsible for anybody to give this as medicine without actually understanding what the potential physical, psychological, emotional and spiritual offshoots can be. Just on that, though, yes, it is powerful and and you also have some incredible case studies of beautiful healings and experiences. But I've also come to learn that it can't have negative side effects. Is it not amazing in that way? I mean, people could have a negative experience, so to speak. However, there isn't anything that's ever shown or demonstrated any damage that can't possibly, even if someone has too much or something goes wrong, could it? Okay, I will put a little side note on that. So as far as toxicity is concerned, it is the most non-toxic substance that we understand. I remember when we were first looking into the research around toxicity, your standard pharmaceuticals was if you took twice the recommended dose, it became a certain percentage of toxicity. And if you took three times the recommended dose... Irony, of course, is Panadol is the number one cause of liver failure worldwide. Mm. This is documentable. I'm not making this up. Mm. But the standard dose is, let's say it's two, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's two tablets a day. But that person, you might have a a child or someone who's, you know, 50 kilos and someone that's 120 kilos. So that standard dose goes out the window. So as far as toxicity is concerned, cannabis is non-toxic. So that way it doesn't long-term damage cell structure and the physiology and the biology. That says a lot too for health though, because if you look at majority of health, if not all health conditions, it's a huge amount of toxicity in the body. So I guess that's the beauty of cannabis. You can take it therapeutically, medicinally, however you want to call it. It won't cause any further ailments. No, in fact, it helps the endocannabinoid system to rebalance. Homeostasis. And homeostasis, which is is a natural state, which is not static and rigid it's moving as well homeostasis doesn't just reach a point where that's it we're finished we're complete we're healed and i'm 30 years old for example well you've got another 60 years to live so your body is going to constantly be regenerating and evolving and and improving even but going back to the potential i guess negativity again this plant still needs to be used with caution because it can create from an emotional level one of the things that that i talk a lot about is it can due to its nature release unresolved issues which can be fear can be anger it can be stress it can be unresolved traumas so this is where there's a gray area it's misunderstood and again that responsibility of anybody who is 
sharing this plant as a healing agent needs just to be aware of so that they can support the person if that happens, if that takes place. Some people can go through what we call the Herxheimer effect or Herxing, it's whereas the body goes through a detox, some people call it a healing crisis. Again, it feels uncomfortable. Yes. You can have stomach pains, you can feel nauseous, you can have rashes that break out. So it can appear to be going backwards or in the, in the wrong direction, but what's happening is the body's being activated, toxins are being released, things that are being dormant in the system are being left to go through the bloodstream, creating these symptoms. So again, supporting that person through a more gentle detox program can bring that back into balance much more quickly. So it is known that if there is in relation to mental health, which is one of the biggest question marks that in particular politicians or those using inverted commas in the air here, because people in power, positions of power who make these decisions on our health and wellness, on our individual human sovereign rights to help ourselves override this, is they're using the psychosis as the number one stumbling block. Anybody who does have a history does need to be cautious. Mm -hmm. They need to check anything with caution, not just cannabis. Mm -hmm. A lot of herbs can also, you know, create other stimulants. So again, it's self-responsibility. It's responsibility to access information. And if you have a pre-existing condition, you need to be realistic and decide, if I am going to go down the path of cannabis, what is going to be the best style or best strain or best formula or best option to undertake that for the end result? If you have, for example, an underlying mental health issue and that person goes out and takes really high levels of you know, THC predominant or goes smoking a lot of cannabis, yes, it potentially can cause some severe reactions. So everything's about being responsible, about being realistic, understanding what you're actually doing and not just believing it's a panacea, that it's going to just cure everything. And you would go through quite a process of each individual's unique state of mind, illness, treatment, what have you. And, we do. And then you have different methods or different ways of giving her the herb to, to help with the unique case. Yeah. I'm a... Um, not so much a lone wolf, but I'm a big believer in preparing the body mm-hmm. before taking or before embarking on mm-hmm. especially strong protocols. If you've never had cannabis, we have an endocannabinoid system that has receptors which are activated by I, the cannabinoids. I wanted to go back into that endocannabinoid system a little bit here to help our listeners understand because to me what it sounds like is the cannabis, the medicine here on the outside and the endocannabinoid system is our Yep. The system on the inside, and the two seem to have this beautiful they do. relationship they when do. the united. Can you yeah share a little on that? And again, there is certain science behind this information. I am not a scientist. I'm not a biologist. I have no formal qualifications. And but what I do have is direct experience over eight years working with people also intuition. So most of my information actually comes through the plant mm-hmm. itself. So I have learned to listen. So I listen very closely. The plant is my guide and I use my physical body as a barometer. So that's my mechanism. So with this endogenous endocannabinoid system that all beings have, apart from insects, um, it is activated when we're born uh, through colostrum in in breast milk. Mm -hmm. So our bodies produce cannabinoids or endocannabinoids, endo meaning inside. The plant has phytocannabinoids and phyto meaning plant-based. So the cannabinoid is the common denominator, whether the human has the receptors, which is considered to be a lock, and the plant has the key, which is the phyto. So it's often referred to as a lock and key system. I tend to take it a bit further. I see it as more of a sequencing. Again, nothing static. You don't just have a lock and key, open one door and that's it, voila, we've arrived at heaven. Um, It's more about how the body then goes through its generic processes to maintain its longevity, its youth, its cell structure and and bring us joy and movement as we progress through this life. We're here for a fairly long time. So this endocannabinoid system serves a purpose which essentially is a regulator. It regulates other body systems, the endocrine, the digestive, the hormones. It plays an extremely important role in helping us to stay balanced. It also is a crucial part of 
the forming of our human body or, or the body of an animal. So it's in our nervous system, which creates the spine and it's in the heart. So as the body grows in utero, it's this endocannabinoid system which actually regulates the order of things. It's also an order system for birth, life and death. When we die, this endocannabinoid system will allow the body to shut down organically, naturally, and in ideally pain-free in a peaceful way that the portals open up and we move transition into that whatever happens when we die, I have no idea what that may be, I'm excited for the time that it comes and I'll know then, but we're designed to live in this natural process, this order of things, natural law, the law is order of life itself. We don't know what that is. I trust this mechanism to know because it's far more intelligent than any human being. Nature. It's nature. <laughs> and I apologise to my colleague scientists and other amazing beings who do have a plethora of information, but I still believe that we don't know. And we can have lots of information that guide us and help, which of course we use that as well. The plant and the human have a direct relationship. We can refer to the plant as our companion plant. Mm -hmm. So if we are looking at probably three or four generations of unactivated or unhealthy endocannabinoid systems due to environmental toxins, stress, some people are not breastfed for whatever circumstances that may be, and then throughout that person's life there is no, for example, there's no hemp seeds in their diet, they've never had cannabis, maybe ever, they continue the stress and the environmental toxins and then they have children. So the breast milk even if they do breastfeed, it may not contain these cannabinoids. So, you know, we're only learning this from a, a modern world. I do believe the ancient world completely understood all of this, but they didn't separate the cannabinoids into CBD, THC, yeah. CBG. They just knew the plant used in a certain way was going to benefit people, you know, whatever ailment was occurring for them. Used as food that would become medicine. Used as food to become medicine and also used for spirituality. Yes. See, these, this plant has been utilised and used, but has been a part of ceremony. It is a part of lifestyle. It just simply becomes a way of life. One of the questions people will ask is, do I have to be on this for the rest of my life? Because in our pharmaceutical world, people are told, mm. you have to take this medication for the rest of your life. I don't agree with any of that. No one can dictate what is going to happen as the body evolves or devolves according to the situation the person's in. But as far as the cannabis is concerned, that there is this, I don't know, it's exciting possibilities to explore. Untapped so, potential. Untapped potential. So use on, on a spiritual level, we are seeing it happening organically with people. A lot of clients will, will broach the subject that such something's changing, something's happening, something new, something different that they didn't understand they see the world differently. So they're having these experiences completely organically, mm. um, whereas there are people who consciously work with cannabis as a teacher plant to allow them to explore more universal knowledge or go deeper into their own love or whatever it may be. So this plant is not just about, here, take this, it'll help with your pain or your sleeping. Their benefits and their symptomatic relief we know that somebody who is having symptomatic relief, we know automatically by that very action, their endocannabinoid system is being activated and nourished. Mm. What happens from there, we don't know. Because of this entourage effect that, that carries this whole domino principle through the human body, anything's possible. I've seen people have had structural changes take place in their body, which mentally doesn't seem possible, and yet it's happening. I guess the integrity of the plant itself works with the integrity and the truth of who we are as multidimensional beings. It's a beautiful way to put it. It works with us on so many different levels that some we may not even be aware of as yet, but it sounds to me like you're observing the people you work with become more and more aware of it's their true. own untapped potential. Yes. Which really does position cannabis or reflect as a truly incredible plant. The my original intention was not actually to be a part of a curative process for people who were looking for cannabis for their illness. 
what I saw was something a little bit different. Yes, I could see they needed support with their nutrition, for example, and, and just support in general. Just pain. I mean, to have something that isn't toxic in the body that can help with pain can take people a long way because pain Absolutely. can be debilitating. And it can change personality. Pain personality exactly. isn't always pleasant to be around. Exactly. So your personality, you, know, you can get a personality reboot at the and, same time. And also sleep. I mean, I guess these two things that are almost... We could have, you know, they're guaranteed, really. Cannabis can help with Definitely pain can, can assist. and sleep, can assist with pain and sleep. So if someone's not sleeping well, that as well can be traumatic in Being life. Being insomniac for almost 20 it's years, horrible. yes, I can absolutely horrible. categorically say it's yeah, true. It causes a lot of issues. But going back to the spirituality side of it, so in the very early days, even though I still had my own prejudice mm. or preconceived understanding of the plant as a drug, mm. even though there's no nothing in my history to sort of, you know, I had nobody around me that had issues with it, mm. but unconsciously I obviously was conditioned to believe and to be in fear of it. But something in me knew that if people could come and be supported and they could have a whole holistic and, and an integrated approach to whatever was going on with them, it created an opportunity for them to have a direct experience of who they really are mm. before they die. You'd be, you're diagnosed with an illness that, and then you're told your prognosis is three months. Mm. Even if it is the three months, what are you going to do in those three months while you're still here? You're still alive. You're still a part of this world. But why are you here? What questions have you not asked yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, and that excited me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I realized that my passion was wow, I'd love to see people actually have that, even if it's a split second moment of the most extraordinary bliss and relaxation and peace for one second of their life, that might be enough for them to have that experience. And even a more peaceful death. And definitely more peaceful if we have so many testimonies mm. and so many loved ones of, of those mm. that have died and passed over that have contacted us just saying thank you for this firstly for the support obviously but thank you for providing and having access to something so beautiful that has allowed their beloved to pass peacefully with smiles and the family gather and this communication something takes place that is in, it has no words. So the beauty of birth, life and death is not being experienced because of our current world is shutting all that down. It's limiting. And these teacher plants, cannabis is one of, there are many others, and lifestyles and walking around in nature that do allow us to live that healthy, blissful, purposeful, collaborative, creative life is our natural state. We're not living it. So where where does the cannabis plant come from? And I don't necessarily mean in a geographical sense, but is it an indigenous, ancient? Is it a cultural medicine in the indigenous cultures somewhere around the world, native cultures, where yeah. the connection to earth and earth medicine and plant medicine is real and open? As far as we know, the probably about four five thousand BC is when the first written information for example 4000 bc mesopotamia we have the medicine tablets that contain cannabis in different formulations we as far as we understand it came mainly from mainland china and from there it spread out so through the whole trade system so it's not necessarily indigenous to other continents mm-hmm. australia not that we're aware of you know the hemp was brought mm-hmm. with the chinese which is even before cook came here and so the hemp was growing quite prolifically around the hunter valley for example for hundreds and hundreds of years, those strains aren't of this country per se, but since that period of time, there has been strains and that are more predominantly grown here. South America, America, you look at in India, South Africa, more than likely those strains that are known on those continents possibly came from Mongolia, China, where it originated. We, there, is, there is limited information, but what we do know is that it became... Um, a weed, that's why it's called a weed. It became so widespread, you know, and those that appreciate messages that come through the Bible, every seed-bearing plant is man's food and cannabis is a seed-bearing plant. And so animals were eating it, humans were eating, drinking the milk and eating the meat, and so it became a part of our culture. So 
We have clients that remember their grandparents in, in Europe who would be putting their cannabis in their soups and drinking it as tea. So this has been a part of modern culture for hundreds of years as healthy, as food, by medicine. Not a drug, not a pharmaceutical. No, but even more so, not as a drug or a pharmaceutical, but also modern world has made it a, well, I guess you call it a, a, a drug in the sense of let's get stoned mm-hmm. type. Look, humans are fantastic. We, we, we come across this element in nature and we decide that we need to enhance it, we need to change it. And, I mean, you know, it's um, look, that's happened to, to, to cannabis and it's happened to, you know, to cacao, it's happened to cocoa leaf and I, it's happened to all of them. That we Tobacco, I mean, it's a sacred plant. Yes. Used in sacred ceremony historically thousands of years Let's ago. Just induce it with chemicals. And, 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 it. <laughs> and, you know, and so... And I think the, the word high, I think we were talking earlier, you know, high is a, again, it's a misused mm-hmm. word because we can be high laughing. Mm-hmm. We can be high walking through the forest. We can, you know, be high in lovemaking. I mean, mm-hmm. high is, is a, is a lightness. In deep meditation. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. And the word stoned, what does that even mean? It's relative to the person's experience. So, but people can have a beautiful experience smoking cannabis mm-hmm which is neither stone nor high, and it's an opening, but we tend to do silly things. But I think this is where the misconception and where it's been demonised is when it was used recreationally as a means to... And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing at all, but I'm just saying it became... Like, the sacredness was lost, that's my point, whereas when used for its power and healing properties, there's a sacredness to it. Definitely, or yeah. spirituality, there's a sacredness to it for healing in general, whether it be spiritual, emotional, or physical, and or oral, all of the above. There's the sacred medicine. I know that the current comments, I suppose, is that it's the pharmaceutical's fault that cannabis is limited, but in essence, that's not even necessarily true because it started more with what happened with nylon and hemp and back in the 1930s in America, all the shipping all the ropes, the canvas sails were made from hemp. Hemp was huge industry. We even, as far as we know, Australia was supposed to be a hemp colony. Now, the amount of money that was, that was required to change hands and all of a sudden the hemp industry was turned into the nylon industry and hemp farms were turned into cotton. And so that prejudice was more about controlling money and produce nylon being a refuse from petrochemicals that needed to be used because they couldn't get rid of it once it came out of that process. That's what plastic is and then the nylon. So all the hemp that was used on ships became nylon. So hemp was then demonised as marijuana or used, they used the name marijuana, which is a Mex- it's a slang word from okay. Mexico and then tried to make it out that it was a Mexican drug and things would happen in America. So that all happened over many, many years. And in the 60s and 70s was that free love. It was that, okay. that hippie era where there was more the recreational use of it. Not having been born in the era where I was part of that hippie world in the 60s, I can't comment on the use of it as far as, you know, were they using it to um, run away from the world? Were they using it as community? It probably was a combination of all of that. But I think more modern day has actually made abused yes. the cannabis more so in the last sort of 20, 30 years, as opposed to the early days where it was more about the industrial use. Then it moved cannabis out of all the medicines. So up until the late 1800s, even early 1900s, medical bottles had cannabis in them. It was a big part of standard medicine practices. And that was all removed as well. That was then replaced by the pharmaceuticals because opiates were cheaper to make. Wow. Mm. And the opiate frenzy took over. And this is what's really important for people to hear, whether we just want to maintain a high-quality, pure life, clean life, or whether we want to heal, detoxify, is just to recognise just coming back to nature. And as you said beautifully in a conversation we had recently about the Indigenous, what does Indigenous actually mean? It's living in harmony with the earth or Mm. respecting what the earth and the plants give to us. One thing is to demonise them, that's more psychological, Mm. but then to add chemicals and restructure them and make them as if we know better. (laughs) Humans, you touched on this earlier, humans know better. Here, let's take this incredible, powerful plant from the earth and then let's restructure and change it. And then say, here you go, now take this. And the body, 
this physical body is organism that comes from the earth herself as well, nature, is then supposed to recognise it. Mm. But what happened, it, you know, it makes it really make, it doesn't make sense. It, it makes so much more sense to just keep things pure and as close to nature as possible. Well, 100% agree. And that's, it's interesting, that word indigenous. Go ahead with your description. Well, that was beautiful. You know, we are in an Australia and, and growing up, Indigenous meant our Aboriginal culture. Mm. And there was a really beautiful elder who used to come into one of our herb shops and deep respect to, to him. He's no longer with us. But we would have many conversations around, you know, rocks and energy. And, you know, he was very big on sovereign rights and finding ways of somehow that culture regaining their connection to the land. Not so much taking the land back is a bit difficult after hundreds of years of, of what's happened. And very aware, incredible human being. And one day I was talking to him and I mentioned, you know, as an Indigenous person, and he looked at me and he said, Nikki, where were you born? And I said, Sydney. He said, so you were born here in Australia? And I said, yes. He said, you're Indigenous. And I... And it's funny because, again, we, we use these words and he said, Indigenous means born of this land. Native. And I thought, I'd never thought of that. And here is this beautiful Aboriginal elder who's saying to me, you are Indigenous of this land too. You're not separate from it. And he, years later, I was actually reflecting upon this conversation and I was writing a talk for some environmental presentation I was doing. And what came was that it went even further and it's not indigenous to this continent. We are indigenous to this earth. We are indigenous to this planet. We are indigenous to this world. And our responsibility to caretake doesn't end with a border. It doesn't end with a nationality. It doesn't end with a belief system or any kind of ethnicity. Every single being is indigenous to this planet and we are not upholding our caretaking role. And the irony is the planet continues to give and to give and to give. It is never-ending in its responsibility and its purpose of providing us with food and nutrition and shelter. And we have disrespected it so extraordinarily and moved so far away from our natural-born responsibility, not our right, our responsibility is to caretake. And through the caretaking of the land and the animals and the environment and each other, is actually our heritage, and we are not living up to our heritage, regardless of where we're born. This beautifully, I imagine, will flow into the next, what I also wanted you to talk about is natural law, L-O-R-E, the name of your business, service. Could you, yeah, like, I mean, is this what natural law is, what you just described then, the beautiful caretaking of our land, responsibility, our earth, and not between fences and belief systems, but the earth herself, the entirety. It's the entire, and, you know, you can dive as deeply into this. So so law and and having that heritage of, that Celtic heritage that that I have in in my own lineage and, you know, working with herbs, that the law to me is life itself it's, it's it's not a rule it is the natural order of things that we still don't understand but if we watch and we look at nature it actually gives us all the answers if you sit for a day and you watch the leaves fall from trees and the birds and, and the animals that come in and simply observe whatever question you've got nature will give you the answer in that day it shows us the way but we don't pay attention. We're not listening, we're not looking, we're not observing, we're not contributing and communing with nature. And, and so the law, as I understand it, is, is the fabric of life itself to the point that it's even beyond what we see, touch, feel. It's more than the tangible manifestation of life, which is the trees, the humans, the dogs, the cats, the animals, the, the water, all of that is a manifestation of life force energy. Me, for me, law itself is even beyond that. What is the fabric, the spark of something so extraordinary that we can't even put a word to it? Mm. What does that mean? I don't know and I don't think about it. Mm. It's the energy and the frequency of this law of order that actually guides us to living well and living in collaboration, but also evolving in the most exciting ways that we don't even know. 
So beautiful. Wow, Nikki, thank you so much. You've shared some incredible information today. Cannabis itself is making a massive impact. The change is truly happening. I mean, I know from working with you of late that you can't even keep up with the amount of inquiries and help that people are asking for and that you're able to provide in such a beautiful way so is it like cannabis is made what's happening there it's like all of a sudden a portal is opened and people are really seeing this the sacredness and the healing so they're coming for help with pain help with you deal with some pretty incredible cases I've noticed we do children with seizures do you want to share perhaps just to give people yeah an experience of, of what you've witnessed in healing in I mean you read a beautiful testimonial to me this morning spontaneously that happened to arrive and you're you were glowing and emotional and I can Im- imagine that the amount of joy and fulfillment that would bring you to hear someone share how much taking cannabis has helped them there is one story I would like to share, and it's not so much about a physical healing. Mm-hmm. There was a woman that came to us, she was in chronic pain from a long-term illness, and I think they'd been married for about, she'd been married for about 18 years. So she had been in chronic pain for 12 of those years. And it was along the, the lines of fibromyalgia, but it had a lot of complications, so she had other, other ligament issues. and. You know, struggle to get out of bed, etc. So we started her on a protocol, and I stay in contact with her. We, we were working together on on helping the sleeping, the pain, and changing her diet and those kinds of things. And then I couldn't contact her. It was probably about a month, maybe six weeks. Couldn't just couldn't get a hold of her from the phone or email. I thought, okay, something's happening, and and I didn't have any idea what direction that was going to be. And she rang me, and she said. I have got to share what has just happened. I said, okay, share. She said, all of a sudden, she just couldn't stop crying. For about two weeks, she would just cry. And there was no stopping the tears. And she said it was just uncontrollable, sobbing, crying. She maintained her protocol with the cannabis and the herbs and and, and her nutrition. But she said it was just didn't stop. Then finally, as that cleared... She started to see slightly the world in a different viewpoint. And she was talking to her husband and she was telling him that there, you know, she was feeling emotional pain and, and what this disease had, had done to her. And what happened in this over the next two weeks was her and her husband realized they had stopped communicating. They had stopped sharing the love that had brought them together in the marriage in the first place. The last 12 years had all been about her illness, making sure that she wasn't in pain. It became their whole focus. It's all they talked about. And she rang me. She said, thank you for saving my marriage. She said, I now remember why we got married, why we fell in love, who we really are. And they didn't even recognize that they weren't even eating dinner together. They weren't sharing. They were so focused on her illness. And as she started to improve, everything changed. And it was, we both just cried together. It was the most beautiful conversation. And it just showed me so explicitly, we don't know what is going to happen when somebody starts, which is why for me, the responsibility of having people aware of what they're giving to another human being or another animal comes with unknown possibilities that we need to be prepared for, even if we don't know what's going to happen. So that one story just touched my heart and, and I can just, I, could do, I can still remember it now, it was a few years ago, but it, she just was so thankful, but I saw the beauty for two people mm-hmm. that were going in separate directions and their life had become stagnant and stale mm-hmm. and depressing and full of pain and misery and suffering yeah. simply because of her illness and things changed. They live again. They're alive again. Another great example of the magic of cannabis and of deep healing, holistic healing, not treating symptom but treating the body. What's the fundamental cause of disease? And our beautiful friend Don Tolman, he talks about it in two ways, toxicity or deficiency. Mm. And I like that 
because it cuts through all these diagnoses and the different manifestations of illnesses come in millions of forms now. You know, there's not one cancer, there's two, you know, there's thousands of forms, you know. Cancer is cancer. It it still has a Mm behaviour that is is across the board. Mm -hmm. But what happened in the body for those cancer cells to go rogue. We all have cancer cells in our body. You don't want to kill cancer, by the way. We, we, we have cancer cells for a purpose. I don't think we still really understand why they're there, but they naturally occur in our body. They serve a purpose, but something goes wrong and they, they behave differently. But we want it to re have the body remember its intrinsic and it's natural process of balance. And when we go out of balance, we can just go, okay, we're taking on too much stress, we're eating the wrong foods or whatever it may be, and then help to come back into balance because that's what we're meant to be doing. Mm. Either that or we pop a pill and we put more toxins in our body. That's such a great idea, Jane. <laughs> I think that that's the number one cure of all. Well, the magic bullet, pop okay. the pill. <laughs> Thank you again so much, Nikki. The information has just been profound. I'm so excited to, to have people learn and hear more about this. And if anyone wants to contact you, please tell me, what's the best way? Uh, Natural Law Wellness and the email address, naturallawwellness at gmail.com and the website, naturallawwellness.com. And I'd love to hear people's feedback as well. I love hearing stories about what other people have experienced. Um, anyone working with cannabis because my information or our information is limited to our experience Mm. so learning comes from that collaboration so you know that you already work with some amazing people as well and i might just throw that in there too you have andrew catalaris and emma who doctors and scientists and so you are working you're crossing the field we are working with some extraordinary people and um, and everybody aligned to a common cause yes in their own way yes so you're just saying anybody else out there who wants to join the extraordinary community of oh absolutely let's open it up of health and healing <laughs> thank you so much again Nikki it was an absolute pleasure to chat with you today you know it's mutual Jenny because you are just a spark of inspiration and light yourself so oh. thank you for creating Lionheart we need this thank you Thank you for spending your precious time listening to this podcast episode. You can find helpful links related to the topics we have discussed, download some freebies, join our Lionheart community and view some of our online training course offerings over at the website www.lionheartworkshops.com. Please also share this with friends, hit subscribe and leave us a review so that these ideas can spread. Those gold stars help others to find us and we can all grow together. The Lionheart Podcast and Lionheart Online Workshops is an online platform and community designed to enhance your health, natural and spiritual well-being. Until next time, please think about how you will embody your lion heart and have the courage, dynamism and strength to grow and to reach your highest potential and that is to be the amazing human being that you truly are.